Hello and welcome back to episode 24. We're calling this one Waking Up to Who is Jesus. Now, this podcast is is going to be my favorite because I love talking about Jesus. I love helping people understand who he is. I love understanding who he is. And I think that because of religion, a lot of people have different ideas of who he is and how he saves. So I'll get to what some religions think. I'm not going to cover all of them, but I, I was reading a little bit about how Mormons view Jesus, how Jehovah Witnesses view Jesus, how Islam views Jesus. And I have to say most people or quote unquote religions um, give him his divinity, but a lot of people don't give themselves the grace that Jesus came and died on the cross for. And because tomorrow is Resurrection Sunday... Uh, we are going to talk about his resurrection. And also, let's start with the three days, three nights. I hate that every single holiday that has to do with Jesus is not celebrated on the correct days. It's pretty annoying. And that includes Good Friday. Okay, one, it's not good that Jesus was crucified and beat to death and spit on and not da, da, da. But he wasn't crucified on Friday. And it's weird to me people haven't figured that out yet because if you do the math, if he was crucified on Friday, like everybody celebrates, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, he would have rose again on Monday. That's not, you can't, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So I went to the Jewish calendar to figure this out and they have it, of course, why wouldn't they? And he was actually, according to their traditions, um, put on the cross on Thursday. And yes, Sunday is the day he rose from the dead. But let's talk about the pagan meaning behind Easter because Esther, she was a, a goddess that people in Babylon would worship. And, you know, I believe they had temples set up and all these pe women and men would go there and, and just have sex like rabbits, get it, <laughs> bunnies. And about nine months later, Nimrod's birthday, December 25th, everyone would start having these babies and they would start sacrificing these babies to that god nimrod and nimrod is such an important figure that i'm going to do my next podcast about him because people need to know who nimrod is how he died who killed him like it's you know it's kind of important um and it's it's pretty amazing to me how everything in the bible can not be disproven and you know how many people have tried to disprove the bible tons and never has it been disproven in fact it's only been proven and today i hope i can lay down a good case for christ because and that's even a book there's called the book a guy who is an atheist and he started trying to disprove jesus and his his whole life and next thing you know he's a hardcore christian writing a book called the case for christ and so I don't want to steal his title, but I do want to, you know, lay down if we were in a courtroom, a case and be like, you decide now, do you want to believe that this person is who he said he is or not? And that's where I'm going to start in the Bible today, because believe it or not, there's nothing new under the sun. And the part that I'm going to read you right now is right after Jesus uh, rose from the dead. Right there is hard for people to swallow. How could he raise it? Well, not only did he raise, get raised from the dead because he's God himself, but 
he was walking around with many other dead people, the Bible says. And he shows himself to many people, not just the 12, but to many people saw him through the, the time before he ascended back to heaven. And if you have never read the Bible, I highly recommend just picking it up. Start, start in the book of John and the New Testament and read about Jesus. It's super cool. The Old Testament is really cool too, but you've got to understand the giants um, that are talked about in Genesis. Otherwise, you're going to be like, why is God so mean? We'll have to get there when we talk about Nimrod because I don't want to be all over the place. So the old, only reason I told you about Esther and Easter and the eggs and all of that because the, the devil, the enemy, the hater of all God's creations wants to hijack everything. He's hijacked the rainbow, which was a covenant between God and his kids. He's hijacked all the holidays that we celebrate Jesus. And as a matter of fact, let's talk about hijack. Did you know there's a doctor, he just passed away, named Dr. Michael Heiser. And I listened to him for years before he passed away. And he talked about how they have the computer evidence to basically prove Jesus's birth dated. And he just gets really deep and it's like 30 minutes into how they can prove this with the stars and you know, the wise men that followed the stars and all that stuff to 9-11-3 BC was his actual birth. So, hmm, isn't it interesting that 9-11, September 11th, is also a day that they attacked our nation. When I say they, I mean the president, Bush. Yeah, I believe that's who did that. Him and Ella's cronies. And again, that's just my opinion and I'm allowed to have it because I'm an American and I have my First Amendment right, even though it doesn't feel like it because I'm constantly being taken down, even from my own podcast. But anyways, let's get back to Jesus. Okay, so Jesus reveals himself to Thomas and Thomas, because he, they call him Doubting Thomas because he didn't believe it. He's like, I'm not going to believe that Jesus rose from the, that tomb until I can see him. And so, sure enough, there's Jesus. And then Jesus says, reach your hands into my scars. You know, look at my hands. Reach them in. Look at that. And uh, put it, look at my side where he was stabbed. Do not believe. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet and believed. And then it says after that, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And that's in the book of John, um, 20, uh, 20, 24. And so I'm going to give you all these verses today, guys. We need to not listen to anybody but who God says he is right and with that let's talk about that when I first started learning about Jesus on my own reading the Bible word for word book by book I'm like wow he hung out with the sinners the prostitutes and the people that actually put Jesus on the cross were the religion the religious the scribes the Pharisees the ones that pretty much taught all the people, all the Jewish people, how to live their lives. And what they had done is they took those Ten Commandments and wrote a whole book of the law and were 
basically more compassionate to animals than they were people, especially when it came to the Sabbath. And so Jesus would always heal people on the Sabbath to show them that you're being ridiculous, basically. Like you'll go help your cow out of a pit, but you won't help this blind man see because you're, it's, you can't help what? That's how crazy these, this religion got back then. And again, nothing new under the sun. Look at how crazy religion is now. And I can name every single one of them. I think they're all whack. Um, you know, I, I was reading about the Mormon religion the other day and they're like, yeah, we believe in everything the Bible says, except Jesus isn't good enough to get you to heaven. And if you are good enough, you can become a God. Well, that's a lie. That's what Satan told Adam in the freaking garden. That's why they ate the fruit, so they could be like gods. You can't be like gods. And if your religion tells you you can be like a god, you should question that. Absolutely question it, because it goes against the Bible. Let's talk about the Catholic religion. I live in New Mexico. There's a tons of Catholics. Tons. My, my own in-laws are Catholics. My own mother-in-law and father-in-law. My mom's whole side of the family. People on my dad's side. There's a ton of Catholics in my family. I don't have any problem with you as a person, but the religion. The Bible clearly says to go, once Jesus came, he was the bridge for us. He basically laid down his life, and I look at it as like a bridge to take my my sins. We, I'm sorry, we all fall short of being good as God. We will never be gods, and we'll never be good as God. There's one God, and he is perfection. And we are not. We always will fall short. And that's why Jesus laid down his life, so we had that direct I call it phone call to God. I have a telephone right to heaven. I don't need to go to a priest and confess because I go to God. And that's biblical. That's what the Bible says. So the, the fact that they're over there and hailing Mary, nowhere does the Bible say you should hail Mary. You should not hail Mary. Mm -mm. You know, Jesus didn't even pr pray to his mom. As a matter of fact, there was a time where they said, hey, isn't that your mom? And he was like, who's my mom? You guys are all my family. <laughs> like, You guys religion has got to stop because it is the number one way to hell and Jesus is the only way to heaven the only way not a religion uh let's talk about Jehovah I'll, I will never forget when I was working at the health and welfare when I was 20 21 years old and this girl started working there I can't remember her name anymore and her family had just kicked her out of her home and would never speak to her again kicked her out of the church everything because she wanted to celebrate a holiday and her birthday <laughs> and so she got chastised i mean it's crazy and yes i love the values of of really you know religious people i think they're great but we cannot be saved by our works what happens is when you truly say jesus I am sick and tired of being Lord of my life, and I want you to be Lord of it instead. Show me how to live. Show me how to have this peace that you talk about, this joy you talk about. I want it. And show me how to live your ways. And I'm ready to lay down my life to live. It does not mean your magic wand will appear, and all of a sudden, bink, you're going to be a perfect person. No. Your heart will start changing. The first thing that changed for me was music. I, I remember, I'll never forget when I went sitting in church, I was 30 years old, I said, Dear Lord, I believe you came to this earth, I believe you died on that cross for me, and I believe you rose again, and I believe you, and I want you to be the Lord of my life, and I'm sick and tired of the life I'm living right now, and I need help. And I, 
I my heart changed. I remember starting to not like music that I used to like. NWA, I used to think was such a fun, cool song when I was a teenager. I can't stand it. I think it's ugh, so gross. And that's what happened to a lot of things in my life, slowly. And still, I mean, I this is 13, 14 years ago, and I'm still changing, and I'm still a work in progress. But one thing that's changed is I don't feel unloved. I don't feel that God's mad at me all the time anymore. I don't feel that I'm not, you know, I really, God's really disappointed. He loves me and he's my biggest cheerleader. And he is always in my soul telling me to quit beating myself up about things. Okay. So there's my little rant about Jesus, but we're not done. The one thing that I find super cool about God, Jesus, Holy Spirit is constantly trying to figure that out. And when I was reading through all these different religions and their doctrines and who they say, you know, all those three deities are, some say Jesus wasn't this and Jesus wasn't that. But let's, again, go back to who Jesus says he is. And I'm going to start with two readings. The first, okay, first let's talk about the Bible. In this Bible that I am reading from, it is a King James and Amplified. So right next to the King James is the Amplified. It's two Bibles in one, basically. And I love it because when King James is a little too, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hard to understand. I jump right next door, right next to the same passage, and it has it in the Amplified version, which is way easier to understand. And I love this Bible. But you have to realize this Bible that we have in America is 66 books, which again, very, very satanic, right? Yay. I'm glad they only left. Why didn't we have 67? <laughs> but really there should be about 80 some books in this Bible. I believe in Ethiopia and I have to Google it. There's over 80. Um, and they have taken a lot of the books out of this Bible and it leaves a lot. It's basically, Basically, the way I look at it is if you don't read the other books, then you have this puzzle that you've been doing that's a thousand pieces and you're still missing a hundred pieces. So yeah, you can see most of the picture and it, it kind of makes sense of what this puzzle is going to look like. But when you have all the pieces, it's way cooler, you know? So that's the way I look at reading the other books in the Bible. And I think it's so sad that the Christians have got themselves so religious that they're like, oh, it's not in the canon. You can't read that. But then they'll go read Harry Potter or Stephen King. Yes, you can read whatever the heck you want, but you should always read the Bible first because then you can reference, does that sound like God? Is that the way God speaks in the Bible? Because once you read these 66 books and notice all, and highlight all the other books mentioned, hey guys, do me a favor. When you read the Bible, please highlight all the other books mentioned because you'll start to be like, wow, there's that book, that book, wow. Some of these books I haven't even found or read yet. Some of them I don't even think are found yet, to be honest. And then please highlight the way God talks about the earth because he never once says we spin around. Every single time I've highlighted the way God describes the earth, he calls it firm foundation. He calls it the face of the earth. He talks about the firmament. He talks about the windows in heaven. That is why the sky is blue. Can you imagine learning that in school? Hey, teacher, why is the sky blue? Well, kid, because there's water above us, according to the Bible, and those, that's the water of heaven, and that's why the sky is blue. Can you imagine how pretty that water is? No. You know what we get taught? 
Hey kid, grab that globe. Spin it as fast as you can. That's where you're living. Now throw it up in the air, keep it spinning, and hopefully we matter to something out there. It's so crazy how distant they want God to be from us. But I'm going to start here um, because to understand words, my words I'm speaking right now on this podcast, powerful for some people, not unpowerful for others. So probably like, Ugh, change the channel really fast, you know, but your words are powerful. The words you speak to yourself and the Bible has a whole chapter in the book of James, basically that talks about the power of your tongue and how it's life and how it's death and how it's this and how it's that. And if you ever did anything with quantum physics and you've seen, um, you know, you can write on water and freeze it and the crystals, if you say it's ugly, will be different than when you say it's pretty. Same thing with plants. You can talk to the plant and it will hear you and it will die if you're constantly mean to it. And same thing with people. Have you ever noticed that the biggest attack on humans is the babies, the little tiny innocent ones that are so pure and perfect? I mean, that's as close as you can get to God right there, the little sweet baby. And Satan wants to attack that from the gender to the I mean, everything right now. It's insane. So when you read the very first chapter in the book of John, it says the internal world in the beginning was the word. Hmm. That's interesting. And the word was with God and the word was God. Okay, that to, to me, when I first read that, I'm like, what does that mean? But once I understood the word, my words, God's words, the word, and now listen. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So once I read all those other books, one of them I read, I'm going to read to you guys, not the whole book, of course, but just a piece of it. This is called The Book of Adam and Eve by R.H. Charles. And wow, it blew my mind because you never, you think of Adam and Eve kind of almost as fictional characters because, you know, you think of them as in this garden and then they get kicked out and then they you know, live. Well, think about how this really must have been. These two were, were so close to God that the heavens were open. They could see the angels. They could see the throne. They could see everything. They were, that's how close they were to God. They communicated with God. There was no barrier between them. They knew no darkness because God is light. So they, even though it was getting dark in the outside world, outside of the garden, because they were surrounded by such light, it never was dark for them. Um, you know, they didn't have to, they didn't even really have digestive systems because they ate fruit of the trees. They didn't have to eat or drink water to survive. They just lived this beautiful life and then they fell. And when they left the garden, it talks about how devastated they were. The first night, they were freaked out. Everything. They want, they constantly wanted to kill themselves. Constantly. And God was constantly trying to encourage them and be like, you know, I really wish it didn't have to be this way, you know. But I had to give this commandment to you because if I didn't, then you go blame me if you ate that fruit. So I had to say, don't eat that. Now you see. Now you see the things 
that are going on in the world and you're not and you don't have communion with me like you used to and this is what's cool too is they were on top of this mountain and as the children started to fall they like first Cain of course he killed his brother Abel so he ends up wandering and going lower to the mountain but eventually the only people left on the top of that mountain were Noah everybody else wanted to go see what was going on what the party was about you know they're like let's go see what the party's about I couldn't get back up that mountain and then the flood it's, it's just incredible to me and um, okay so this is the earliest prophecy of the coming of Christ it's written in this book and I just loved it when I read it and it just shows you the heart of God and how much he loves us but it also shows that he has plans that are bigger and better than ours and I think sometimes we think right now I've heard so many people be like we're three months away from the mark of the beast says who what timeline are we on right now? We're on God's timeline. And God said before he came that people would be denying him, but they would have to know him first. The gospel would have to spread throughout the whole entire world. And I don't think people truly believe in God. They don't. Need, there's so many people that don't even know if God's real or if this Jesus is real, you know? And so... I believe our God's timeline is different than Satan's timeline. I believe Satan wanted to put his timeline in fast forward and God said, it ain't your timeline yet, bro. It's my time and you work on my time all the time because I am over all things, including Satan. Not me, Melody, but God, you know? Okay, so earliest prophecy of the coming of Christ. And then Adam said to God, oh Lord, Take thou my soul, and let me not see this gloom anymore. Remove me to some place where there is no darkness. But God the Lord said to Adam, Verily I say to you, unto you, this darkness will pass from thee. Every day I have determined for thee until the fulfillment of my covenant, when I will save thee and bring thee back again into the garden, into the abode, abode of light that thou longest for. Where there is no darkness, I will bring thee into it, into the kingdom of heaven. Again, said God unto Adam, all this misery that thou hast been made to take upon thee because of thy transgression will not free you from the hand of Satan and will not save you. It says thee, but I'm saying you. But I will, but I will, oh, I love that, but I will, when I shall come down from heaven and shall become flesh of thy seed, and take upon me the infirmity from which you suffer. Then the darkness that came upon you in this cave will come upon me in the grave, when I am flesh of thy seed. And I, who am without years, shall be subject to the reckoning of years, of times, of months, of days, and I shall be reckoned as one of the sons of men in order to save you. And God ceased to commune with Adam. Ooh. When I first read that, I cried. I cried because I was just like, wow, God, you are so perfect. So perfect. And I, okay, I want to read you one more uh, passage out of this. It's, um, again, the book of Adam and Eve. This page is on page 13. I just read you page 27, or a little piece of page 27. Um, God said to Adam, I have ordained on this earth days, years, and thou and thy seed will dwell and walk until the days and years are fulfilled when I shall send the word, there it is, that created thee against which thou hast transgressed, the word that made you come out of the garden that raised you when you fell, 
Yes, the word that will again save you in five and a half, when five and a half days are fulfilled. But when Adam heard these words from God of the great five days and a half, he did not understand the meaning of them. For Adam was thinking there would be five days and a half for him to end the world. And Adam wept and prayed to God to explain to him. Then God in his mercy for Adam, who was made after his own image and and similitude, so very similar, explained to him that these were 5,500 years and how one would come to save him and his seed. That makes me want to stop and just talk about prophecy real quick because prophecy is huge to God and he talks about it in the book of Amos. He says in God's words, I will reveal all things to you through my prophets. And there are false prophets. Yes, we all know that. And there are real prophets. And I think everybody right now thinks everybody's a false prophet. The way you can determine a real prophet, one, does it go with the word of God? Does it, it doesn't always have to be peaches and cream, but does it go with God's word? Two, does anything this prophet ever say be fulfilled? Is it fulfilled? You know, or does it always fall flat? I mean, those are really, and another one is there should always be at least two or more witnesses saying the same exact thing. That, that they don't even know each other. You know what I mean? That's the way I always look at the prophecies. And so that's another reason I have no fear in this time where the, everything is about to fail. The banks are about to fail. The, you know, the world is going to look like, like the mark of the beast is coming. Y'all just get ready to not eat. But you know what? God is bigger. And God has his timeline. And God's timeline wins. And so let's get back to Resurrection Sunday. So Jesus, when he knew he had to die on that cross for us, guess what he asked God in the garden? If there is any way, Lord God, to let this pass for me, please do so. I, he was sweating blood. I, I've never met one person sweating blood. It's just because Jesus came down here for all of us did not mean it was easy for God, for him. He still felt the way humans feel. And I really think that's cool that God would take himself out of heaven and put flesh on a skin, make himself manifest to people and people still spit on him, especially the religious ones and deny him, go back to heaven, send down his spirit forevermore, the Holy Spirit for all those who ask for Jesus to conquer scorpions and demons and all the crap that goes on in our world and the only people living powerful right now are the witches and warlocks and the christians are sitting here pathetic all oh, on their rapture rugs i mean come on christians we need to step it up like god jesus i last week i was in church and the pastor he goes you know what that jesus movement was it was dumb because what would jesus do he wasn't the like a loving guy all the time yes he loved but he went in the temple and turned over tables and called people what they should have been called like this whole transgender movement anybody that tolerates it and i don't mean don't tolerate people if if people are mentally confused and they have that kind of confusion in their life they need prayer they need help but they do not need people going along with it they, they really don't and the more people go along with it the more you are furthering satan's agenda and that's on you and that's between you and God. That's all I got to say about that. It gets hard sometimes to live in this world, be a Christian, try to show your love, but also have discernment. It's not called judgment. I don't judge anybody. People 
will say, you're judging, but really you're judging. If you're judging me because I believe in God and I'm telling you what's right and wrong because somehow the science over since 2020 when they told you to wear a mask, that's not science. Get a jab. That's not science. <laughs> and these idiots are sitting here, it's science. Follow the science. And then three years later, they don't even know the difference that a man has a penis and a woman has a vagina. You can't just cut it off and call yourself a chick. Okay? It doesn't work that way. All right. So I have... A couple more things I want to share about Jesus before I end this with a father's love letter. These are going to be all Bible verses. Um, and I will put the link to this video in the description box and a prayer, of course. But before we get there, we have to talk about the fact that the Ark of the Covenant has been found. And this blew my mind. Okay. So the Ark of the Covenant was made back in Moses's day. They escaped Egypt the pharaohs were chasing them the Red Sea opened I think most people know the story but just in case the Red Sea opened all the Israelites got through as soon as they got through the the walls closed of the sea and drowned all the Egyptians and um, when they got to the other side Moses got the Ten Commandments the Israelites kept wanting to go worship cows again and all kinds of creation. You know, it's funny because mankind always worships God's creation, but not the creator. So they'll worship rocks and stones and all the things, but, you know, uh, incense and, you know, do all these things. And yes, it's good to be healthy and it's good to take care of yourself. It's good to know how herbs work and all this stuff. But the fact that people actually worship them is pretty crazy or like go to them for answers. You know, does the rock say yes or no? Like, it's, it's insane. Um, but that's how people find peace. And it's, again, nothing new under the sun. People have had fake gods since the beginning of time. Um, you know, even Abraham was like, is the sun God? Who's God? Like, everybody had to figure it out. So don't feel bad that you're figuring it out. But do ask for God to show you. Don't just go to your stone. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked a lot today. Okay. So once Moses gets back to the other side and they... They start, they build a temple, they get priests. Um, basically, their temple's a tent, like a dome. Very f reflection of heaven, I believe, or earth, uh, their, their church. And then they made the Ark of the Covenant, which basically God, his spirit, hovered around it. And it showed them where to go and all this stuff until, um, I believe, Zachariah. Um, I could be wrong on that, so don't quote me. But one of the prophets went and hid the ark, and it has not been supposedly found, right? It's, everybody's like, where's the ark? And they have movies and all this stuff. Well, if you've never heard of Ron Wyatt, you should really get familiar with him. Because not only did he find Noah's ark, the chariot wheels in the Red Sea, he also found Jesus' crucifixion spot, Calvary, and the Ark of the Covenant was directly underneath the cross. Why, why does that matter? to me and why should that matter to you one because it shows you the perfection of god thousands well i shouldn't say thousands but hundreds of years before jesus actually was put on that cross god set the ark of the covenant to be directly below it and why does that matter well normally in a crucifixion two things don't happen earthquakes and being stabbed usually they just like took you down well, when Jesus died, the earth shook, the Bible says, and the soldiers pierced his side and blood and water came running out. 
Well, when the blood and water came running out, it ran down from his body through the ground. This will be my cover photo for this podcast. And onto the Ark of the Covenant. Why am I pausing there? Because the Ark of the Covenant, they used to take animals and sacrifice them and sprinkle their blood on that Ark for our sins. When Jesus came, he replaced the animal sacrifice and he became the sacrifice for our sins. You no longer had to take the animal and sacrifice them because his blood dropped on that ark, the same place that that animal's blood had been poured all those years. It, does that not blow your mind? Because it blows my mind. And here's another thing. I'm going to play you Ron Wyatt's testimony here about when he found this ark. He got Jesus's blood tested. And guess what, y'all? It came alive again. When you when they added the solution to it that they usually add when they're like trying to, you know, find DNA and stuff on blood, it became alive again. His blood was not dead. It was alive. And guess what they were able to do? Take DNA markers. And with the DNA markers, he had all the chromosomes for mom. So all the chromosomes you need, 22, wait, is it 22? For mom. And one that made him male for dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so to 46. So there's 23 from mom, 23 from dad. But Jesus had 23 from mom and one that made a male. And that's it. And you want to know why I believe Jesus came as male and not a female? Because he wouldn't have got any respect as a female. Not in those times. And that's why I call God a he. You know, God says that we are made male and female in his image. I believe that. I, I do believe that that God isn't... I don't know. Let's not go there because it's too, it's, the times are weirder enough. We don't need to be talking about all that. But I, I just, you know, I've heard, why do you call God a he? That's why. Because Jesus was a he. Okay. 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 So I'm going to play you guys Ron Wyatt's testimony of finding the ark. And I also do have to say that Ron, Ron had said, I believe, uh, you know, this could start a holy war, and I do believe when the time is right, we will see it. Ron did record himself in there and put it back on the ark. So when the ark is pulled out, that video will be shown to the world. I'm pretty excited about that. And, um, you know, Ron didn't care about having fame. He didn't care about any of it. He just loved God, and he was very blessed to be able to find that. And when Israel, since their people in to go pull it out every single person that went in that that cave died and guess who they had to call to pull those people out because they were too damn scared to go back in there they called ron and ron had to pull out the dead people so yeah god's very powerful and very real and i want to leave this here too real quick this is from jesus's mouth because i think a lot of people you know want to say who jesus is so this is who jesus said he is and this is in the book of John 14, okay? Uh, it says, The way, the truth, and the life. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. This is so powerful. I'm going to read that the second time. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. And I, that is a literal statement right there. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. 
that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way, and you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? No one. It doesn't say, well, if you're a really good person too, then you might get there. No. You believe in Jesus. He'll change your heart. You'll start being a better person. You don't gotta, you don't gotta be, you don't gotta be all fake and phony, you know, religion doesn't get anyone to heaven. Jesus is the only way, the only way. And that's my biggest, biggest takeaway from today's podcast. I'm going to end this now with a little Ron Wyatt and the father's love letter. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Oh, may Jesus just come into your hearts this resurrection Sunday. May we just give the glory all back to Jesus. Take it away from Nimrod and a star and all the fake goddess gods of the Babylonian times. They have no, no more power in this time. It's all glory goes to you, Jesus. All glory.
I'll put the full link to that video uh, in the description box. I highly recommend listening to it. It will change your life. And now we will end this with the Father's Love Letter. And I will put the link to this website. It's fathersloveletter.com um, in the description box. Here you go. Nate, you know how much you are loved. you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter.
I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. For you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father. And will always be father. My question is, 